G.K. Chesterton said, there is no more dangerous or disgusting habit than that of celebrating Christmas before it comes. It is the very essence of a festival that it breaks upon one brilliantly and abruptly, that at one moment the great day is not and the next moment the great day is. Up to a certain specific instant, you're feeling ordinary and sad. At the next moment, your heart leaps up and your soul and body dance together like lovers. Whatever the day is to you that is festive or symbolic, it is essential that there should be a quite clear black line between it and the time going before. And all the old wholesome customs in connection with Christmas were to the effect that one should not touch or see or know or speak of something before the actual coming of Christmas Day. That's why it used to be that children weren't allowed to open any of their presents until that appointed hour. They had to sit wrapped under the tree until midnight at least. And so kids, is that what we do in our household? Have you gotten to open any presents? Yeah, our kids have already gotten to open a couple of rounds of presents. And, and, and you know, it, it was that you wouldn't even go out and, and cut down your Christmas tree and bring it into your house and decorate it and, and trim it until Christmas Day. And I hear those stories about how people used to, you know, not do these things until Christmas Day. And quite honestly, they, they sound like they're coming from, from a different world, a, a different era. And of course, you know, there were always exceptions. But isn't it just the way that things work that what were once the exceptions over time become the rules? And it's a safe bet that most of us have been to several Christmas parties you know, have opened uh, several rounds of Christmas gifts. There's no clear black line between Christmas Day and the time going before anymore. It's all gray, smudged, squiggly lines stretching all the way back to the day after Halloween. <laughs> but maybe what makes Christmas Day still special is that it remains the day when all that madness, all that rushing around stops. Maybe just for the morning, you get to sit around in your pajamas. You can have a, a leisurely start to the day, unless, of course, you have little ones in your household. You can stop rushing around and sit back with a cup of coffee and catch your breath and ponder that there is indeed something different about this new day, the one that we're waiting to arrive in just a few hours. And perhaps that's wishful thinking, and so maybe the only clear black line in your Christmas season is right now, right at this moment in this sanctuary. Uh, the sanctuary can be a sanctuary, a place of refuge, a port in the storm where you can sit and just be, to sing the songs and listen to, again to the old story about the day when the world changed. The first Christmas where a clear black line was drawn in history, a clear black line separating B.C. and A.D., the endless history of the world before Christ, and Anno Domini, in the year of the Lord. That the first Christmas was some great demarcation in history, a day when the history of the cosmos shifted on its axis, sounded then, and still sounds now, like a fantasy. After all, our story takes place when Quirinius was governor of Syria, during the reign of Caesar, Augustus, this is the real stuff of history, of epochs and eras, leaders with power, censuses and taxes, 
the glory of Rome and its empire, the, the Pax Romana that had brought a hard-won peace to the Mediterranean world. In fact, Augustus himself was treated as a quasi-deity. The pagan temples were well-funded, and their religious services were as popular as ever. If you had told them that the birth of this child marked the dawning of a new age, they would have laughed in your face. And here we come with a story about a baby born in a manger in an obscure town in a far-flung corner of the empire being the world's true king. One who would wear not a crown of gold, but one of twisted thorns. One whose enthronement would be a crucifixion. One whose victory would come in the form of a magnificent defeat. The government will be upon his shoulders, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. This would have seemed as about as believable then as a choir of heavenly angels. But something did happen on that first Christmas. A change that has shaped all of us so profoundly that whether we believe in it or not, we now simply take it for granted. We literally cannot imagine what the world was like before Christmas. And I love these words from Andy Crouch, who is the executive editor of Christianity Today. He wrote, We forget because we cannot quite imagine how unremittingly cruel the ancient world was to those without proper connections, fame, and signs of fortune. How routinely women were exploited and children were enslaved. We cannot quite imagine because our imaginations have been overtaken by Christmas with its radiant mother and divine child. Look for the roots of our indignation at the indignity of the poor today, and you are taken back to Christmas by way of carols about lowly cattle sheds and meek souls who receive him still. Shepherds played a menial role in first century Palestine. Yet here were shepherds at the birth of the newborn king. A teenage mother in dubious circumstances was of no more account then than now, but here she was receiving angels and being hailed as full of grace. Luke records a song from that expectant mother whose words could still be startling today if they were not so often sung in Latin. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Our suspicion of entrenched absolute power, our compassion for the poor and least, our sense that might must give account to right much of what is most healthy about Western culture started at Christmas and is sustained by imagery drawn, knowingly or not, from its bottomless, imaginative well. That's what makes Christmas Day unlike any other. And that's what keeps it so powerful, even for people across the world who wouldn't call themselves Christian. Years ago, my father-in-law visited Japan before Christmas. And he brought home with him these amazing cultural artifacts from Japan. They were Japanese Christmas cards. And, and what I remember most about them is, is that there were several with just hordes of Santa Clauses. These tiny little Santa Clauses climbing over everything. From, from modern buildings in Tokyo to ancient statues of the Buddha. It, it was like a Santa Claus invasion. And, and Japan, keep in mind, is only 1% Christian. But I don't begrudge them Christmas. They too are living in a post-Christmas world. They are living on the other side of that clear black line, even if they don't quite realize it. Because that invasion of Santa Clauses isn't just a symbol of, of the crass excesses of capitalism and commercialism. 
but instead a delightfully bizarre reminder that our world has indeed been invaded by joy and generosity. And the world hasn't been the same since Christmas. And so I pray that, that you will have some time tonight or tomorrow to reflect on the many ways in which that is true, that our world is not the same. And that you will share that joy with your neighbors, whether they believe in it or not. And that you will save something special that you only do tomorrow. That you will find some way to preserve that clear black line. And that you keep the wonder and mystery and sacredness of Christmas alive. Amen.